right, welcome to another broadcast from the Fleming Foundation. This, I, once again, I'm joined by Rex Scott. Today, instead of doing one of our usual programs in the series from Under the Rubble, we're going to do uh, one in the series, uh, The Best Revenge. Namely, Living Well is the Best Revenge. And so we're going to talk about things high and low. Hmm. That is, we're going to talk about poetry. Okay. And we're going to talk about rock and roll. So the low can't be poetry. Rock and roll's <laughs> got to be the high. That's what are you talking about? Uh, well, right now we're sitting in the studio. It's uh, Now it's a recording studio. As many recording uh, studios have seen great, great stars fill the rooms with their music. But this room is filled with books. Uh, Greek, Latin, as I looked at them, ancient stories. Uh, there's philosophy over there, theology, literature in English, French, German, and other languages. Uh, but I was actually pretty excited to see how much uh, poetry and an interest in the arts there is uh, out there as well. Well, uh, you know, I began life, my, my number one interest was poetry, both mm. writing it and understanding how, how it could be written. Right. And in fact, all my, my, uh, my graduate work in, uh, was on, all on Greek poetry. Okay. And so I've, uh, I've gone a long way away from that, but I don't believe ever in getting rid of old friends, mm -hmm. and I believe in sticking to things that if you've ever loved them. Right. Um, now, all of that would be considered, I mean, you'd call that culture, right? Um, the arts, I mean, it, that's cultural. It's what, what the people spend their free time on. Yeah. Okay, so um, it's a lot like, well, I, here's my question. I'm going to lead into that. Uh, when I talk to my friends and we sit around, you know, we talk about the current movies or the TV shows, and uh, maybe sometimes we uh, play a favorite song, sometimes, um, you know, what we think God is doing in our lives and stuff. We have a couple of beers and enjoy it. Uh, it's true that a lot of people are consumed by television and video games and hypnotized by the popular culture. Uh, usually it's difficult to communicate with people who are drowning in the latest hype of the new iPhone or some viral video or Don't Facebook. Don't my iPhone. Okay, no, it's a great <laughs> phone. I mean, well, when you look at today versus long ago, uh, has it always kind of been this way in cultures and civilizations? Well, in the first place, all, all anything like a higher civilization, any, whether we're talking about ancient Sumerians and Egyptians, the Greeks and the Romans, the Chinese, mm. okay. ancient India, they all have devoted uh, a lot of their free time and resources to higher pursuits, to, okay. to trying to understand human life through, through literature, express it through music, through sculpture, through painting. Most of what people call culture in any given age, someday we should have a show on what culture means, because I think it's a vastly a misunderstood and distorted word, but right. set that aside. Okay. Uh, it's, you know, you can, you can judge a culture by what you spend, how you spend your resources. Mm -hmm. So in the Middle Ages, they built beautiful cathedrals. Okay. You know, in, in ancient Rome and Greece, they built beautiful temples, because the gods were the highest things they could conceive of. They had theaters where they put on magnificent plays, what we have, what do we have? Well, we have crummy buildings that last ten years. Mm. We have we spend an enormous amount of time though on culture, on television, right. on recorded music, sure. on sports, uh, and that's that's uh, that's that's what we've got. We got. Let me let me play you a little bit of a of a Neapolitan pop song from okay. I guess about nineteen or the mid fifties. Mid fifties. This is Renato Corazone. Okay. Now, nobody will understand this because it's, 
It's your Neapolitan dialect. The song was uh, revived in the movie The Talent of Mr. Ripley, which was a really popular movie. Was that Matt Damon? Yeah. So the Jude Law. Yeah. Matt Damon and Jude Law. Pretty good movie. Yeah, it was pretty good. Excellent. Uh, based on a really good novel by a very wicked woman named Patricia Highsmith. Wicked woman. Americano. 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 Tu vuoi vivere alla moda, ma se bevi whisky and soda. <laughs> Wait, that doesn't seem like an Italian. That doesn't seem like it's there. Tu giochi a baseball. Yeah, you smoke baseball, your camels. Yeah, right. Well, that's a, okay. Let's that's get enough a, of that. Uh, well, uh, you know, I'd like to know what it means. I mean, I don't speak that fluent. Basically, basically, um, yeah, yeah, I've got it. Okay. Um, you wear trousers showing a famous brand. Okay. Well, boy, that's brand sounds, new. Yeah. Today. You wear a hat with a peak raised on it. You trot along the streets showing off yourself to make people look at you. Mm. You want to be an American, American, American. Listen to me. Is it worth it? You want to be trendy? If you drink whiskey and soda, then you have a hangover. You dance rock and roll. You play <laughs> baseball. But who gives you the money to buy your camels? It's from your mother's bag. Oh. You ought to be an American, American, but you were born in Italy. Now, uh, this is a, a wonderful parody of what, uh, you know, because every Neapolitan is basically a civilized person because his roots go back 3,000 years, no matter, no matter what kind of bestial life he may lead. He, he has this, this roots of a culture, and Renato Corazzoni was a very popular uh, Italian performer in the 50s. Uh, you know, his parody of what America is, American culture is, whiskey and soda, baseball, rock and roll, it's not far off. Okay, well, I... So I they have Dante. Right. They have Botticelli. Okay. They have, you know, they have Vivaldi. Mona Lisa, they've got yeah. all that. Yeah, they got Fellini. But we got we got the baseball, the rock and roll. Whiskey and soda, that's not... And we have The Walking Dead. I mean, the, the you know, the TV show, not the general pop culture. Yeah, it's a good thing I'm not culture czar because there would be no such show on TV. I but anyway. see. Since we're into quote, quotation right okay. now, right. Uh, let me quote uh, a famous British writer, Robert Louis Stevenson. You know, okay, yeah, I've heard he, of him. He wrote, uh, you know, Kidnapped and Treasure Island. He once observed about cultural differences. He says, uh, you know, change Glenlivet, which is, of course, a great Scotch whiskey, very old, for mm. bourbon, and it's still whiskey, just not so good whiskey. Right. So change, if you uh, take uh, Canadian Club and 7-Up, well, it's alcohol, but it's not a Brunello di Montalcino, Ooh. much less uh, uh, even a better wine. Or okay. Pop music lyrics, for example, are poetry, mm -hmm. though with very rare exceptions, it's, it's not even mediocre poetry, much less good poetry. Yeah, I suppose. No Kaliuan culture uh, I'm aware of, and this is all I've done is study these things, okay. has ever devoted so much of its resources, its money and time and effort to the arts, okay. to music, drama, and poetry. Sure. And it's just too bad that the music mostly stinks, <laughs> as does the drama on film and TV, well. and that the poetry is clumsy. Songwriters, American songwriters today, this mm -hmm. hasn't always been true, seem to think it's easy to match words and music, but that usually just means they shoehorn the words into a musical form, and, uh, and, and, you, and you could sort of sing over the fact that you haven't really made it work out all right. Well, sure. I, I, I 
see what you're saying. I, I, I kind of beg to differ. There's a lot of good music and a lot of good meeting. You just have to wade past the top of the charts, uh, the junk heaps, to uh, get to the good stuff. Yeah, you know but, but wait, 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 wait. You know, you didn't have to go past the top of the pops to get to see in, uh, in say, the 1780s, mm. say, Mozart, Haydn, Gluck, later okay. on, Beethoven, Brahms. They were... They were what there what there was for anybody seriously like music. Let me let me give you some like number one hit last week on Billboard okay. by Taylor Swift. Oh boy! I don't like your little games. Don't like your tilted stage. The role you made me play of the fool. Boy, that talk about clumsy. Can't it's you clumsy. Hire somebody. No, I don't <laughs> like you. I don't like your perfect crime. How you laugh when you lie. You said the gun is mine. Isn't cool. No, I don't like you. Oh. But I got smarter. I got harder in the nick of time. Honey, I rose up from the dead. I do it all the time. Okay. Uh, I got a list of names, and yours is in red, underlined. And I check it once, then I check it twice. Oh. Now, really... This is, <laughs> yeah, what word come to mind? I say stupid, inarticulate, right. childish, above yeah. all. Well, not, it's not polished. There's no attempt at being beautiful, clever, effective. If she thinks these or whoever wrote them for her, if they think this is clever songwriting, yeah. then then we're in even worse trouble than I'm proposing. Well, she's, I'm sure that she's trying to use the vernacular of the day. I really couldn't agree more. Uh, but Taylor has the magic of hooks and melodies to keep us enamored and mesmerized along. With a healthy dose of radio repetition that, you know, they play the song 30 times, it's in your head whether you like it or not. Well, you may remember something called payola. You know, at the beginnings right, of right. rock and roll, there was a, a guy, he, he had, uh, what was his name? He, he would go around the country, he'd have Chuck Berry, he'd have uh, right. uh, Jerry Lee Lewis, it was the big beat show. Right. And uh, Alan Freed. Yeah, there you go. And Alan Freed, of course, was taking bribes from record companies to promote uh, songs. Sure. There was even a TV show of, about uh, some, they decided to do a song and make it a hit, and a song actually became a hit. It was a parody called Stupid Cupid, You're a Real Mean Guy. <laughs> and the truth is, because it was on TV, it was a top ten hit in two weeks. So Stupid what we're dealing with, yeah, <laughs> Stupid Cupid, what we're dealing with is a business where marketing is 90% of it. You can yep. market anything. Mm -hmm. You can market cheap bologna as steak. And uh, and uh, in America, you can sell it. Well, that's my point exactly. Um, I I said pop music is like a beautiful naughty kid. His youthful good looks outshine the bad words out of his mouth. Some things never change. I think there must have been lousy artists, or you know, even Dante didn't he at one time speak in different vernaculars when he was doing uh, the poem? Uh, it was a little twist in a different sort of the well, language of that space or something. He, uh, he Dante, you know, it, it was conventional for serious literature to be written in Latin in Dante's okay. time. And there was relative, almost, there were just a few people writing in Italian. Dante decided to adopt the dialect of his own hometown, okay. Florence. And in doing so, he, with more than anyone, his friend Guido Cavalcanti, maybe a little bit, but they invented literary Italian. The language that is heard on tel Italian television and movies today wow. is basically goes back to the decision uh, Dante made. And uh, so it's, it's quite interesting. But Dante was, of course, became an international celebrity. He was the 
that one of the reasons he still read and remembered and studied and republished and translated is because he made such an impact on his own time, the same kind of impact that Shakespeare made in mm -hmm. his, Virgil made in his. And, uh, but the trouble is both in literature and pop music, the people who are making the impact are the people marketed by big business, and they are not. Let, let us, I don't want to compare great things with small, but there are, as you say, intelligent, decent musicians sure, and yeah. songwriters, exactly. and be, because our culture is based on the, on the bottom line only, Mm -hmm. Therefore, the good people, it's, it's, it's not easy to find them. In Dante's day, Dante and Guido Cavalcante, they're the two great writers of, of, of Florence at the time, you didn't have to go looking. Everybody knew, who, the whole world knew who they were. Well, that's uh, strange to me that everybody would know. I mean, the venues were a lot limited. The streets were a lot narrower. I mean, it's not like he had radio and TV and movies and Internet, you know, Facebook, YouTube. How in the heck were these guys taking their poems, their whatever, I don't, did Dante write music? I don't no. think he, no, he's just a poet. How did they get the news out? How did people find out about this? They didn't even have publishing, remember. That Which... is, they didn't have the printing press. So what you had to do was have somebody, hang, no, and something like uh, Dante's uh, Commedia, you know, it's a book, you know, it, today in, uh, in an Italian text, it's about three, four hundred pages. Oof. So you had to have somebody copy it out by hand. Oh man! And uh, so what happened was, you know, but but the, the, he had he wrote shorter poems and songs. He and, and that was uh, typical sonnets, and those okay. got handed around and recited at parties. And and uh, you know, it, it is it is absolutely we know we know from contemporary witnesses that that. The most powerful people in Italy wanted to meet him and become his host mm. because he was exiled from Florence on, on, on trumped-up charges yeah. that he betrayed the city. Anyway, so my point is yeah. that you judge, you, 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 you can judge a society not just by the quality of a few artists that it produced, but by how those people are greeted, how they're treated. In our society, in our society, the worst is routinely elevated mm -hmm. to the pinnacle of popularity, wealth, fame, everything. Whereas in, say, in, uh, in the time of Virgil and Horace, the greatest poets were also the most famous writers. Okay. And this, th 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 this is a problem. Um, it, it, the media, uh, then there was really no media. You didn't get like a news channel or anything like that. So these guys were basically just handing off this material to people. People were taking it, rewriting it, and passing yeah. it around. Now, was was Dante then um, and his uh, the people around him were they talking about cultural things or were they talking high and lofty things? What were they saying? Were they calling this guy a real jerk over here because he's saying this kind of stuff, or was it more high and lofty stuff? Everything. You know, if you read through, uh, <clears throat> I don't want to get hung up on Dante, but you read sure. through Dante's comedy, which is three parts, you know, there's sure. hell, purgatory, right. and, uh, and heaven. If you read through it, there's a lot of social satire at the expense of people Dante doesn't like. Okay. But there's also a, a theology of heaven and hell, mm -hmm. and, and it's a, in, in the work, 
is also Dante's attempt to work out his own salvation. Mm. So we're dealing with a profound theological work of great beauty. I mean, mm. no, no other poet has ever tried to portray the, the glory of heaven in the way that Dante does in the last part, uh, in the last part of uh, Paradiso. Sure. So we're dealing with everything. But of course, po poets, other poets at the time were strictly wrote poems about love and sex and getting drunk. Mm. They, they, you know, every kind of thing was done. Similar as today, then yeah. they were they were touching yeah. on those things. So, so, you, you know, listen, a lot of Italian poetry could be country music. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I get it. Well, I think that's what I was trying to dovetail into is that uh, the artists of our time and generations were trying to articulate what was going on. You know, I think obviously the 60s come to mind, but I mean, they, were also, they also make statements about what they believe. Leonard Skinner had Mr. Saturday Night Special, which was very anti-gun. Uh, of course, the Beatles' revolution against war. Black Sabbath, Sweet Leaf, which is pro-marijuana, surprising there. Uh, the Doors reaching into, like, a religious experience through drugs. Oh, and, but, 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 just, just know. hold that thought. The Doors have... You know, see, I lived through this period. Okay. And I remember Jim Morrison, and in fact, I once corresponded with his uh, father, Admiral Steve Morrison, mm. because the question was, why that he's uh, Jim has a strange uh, epitaph on his tombstone in in the cemetery in Paris, and mm -hmm. it's in Latin, and I was convinced that it was a an attempt to translate a favorite sort of phrase of Morrison's. It turned out to be right. That, that, that that's what Admiral Morrison told me. Hmm. But here's this poor poor dope adult kid thinks he's Rambeau, he thinks he's a 19th century French poet, and he writes this blithering nonsense over and over right. and over. I mean, his keyboard player and guitarist are pretty, are pretty interesting pop music. You know, sure. the song, the music is fine. It's Morrison's lyrics that would drive any sane person up the wall. Well, why, if for, and that's my point exactly, for some reason, somehow, he connected. And it wasn't by virtue of repetition. There was something deeper. He had some deeper meanings going on. Some I think people in that time were searching for deeper meanings and didn't really know what to look for. He was physically very cute. Women loved it. Okay, well, Women that helps. It. That, that started. And the, 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 the Doors were, I think, a better band than he was a songwriter. Uh, that, but that's, that's neither here nor there. There, there. there have been, you know, I, I'm not... First of all, I think we should make some distinctions. There okay. is a difference between uh, pop music and pop literature on the one hand, say, you know, uh, you know, Stephen King versus Shakespeare, okay. uh, 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 rock and roll versus, uh, versus Mozart. There are okay. differences. There's high and low, and right. every culture's got to have both. You don't want to be singing a Bach cantata as you're drinking with your friends, right. you know, it's clinking glasses. So you got high and low. But... The, the lower forms of music, there's no reason why they can't be, or art, there's no reason why they can't be competently done. Sure. And once upon a time, like American pop music, uh, which I've become a fan of late in life. My children say, well, Dad, is this the music of your childhood? I said, the music I like was mostly, the pop music I like was mostly popular before I was born. Mm -hmm. You know, so going back to the 20s and 30s and 40s, Cole Porter, Rogers and Hart, okay. uh, uh, people, people like that, it's, it's competently done. That's the first thing you see. Sure. In fact, I, I, I warned you I was going to uh, uh, read a little bit of a, uh, of a Lawrence Hart lyric, uh, which I find uh, heartbreaking. It's, sung, it's supposed to be sung by a, uh, a woman. 
Okay. Although the most famous version to, in these days is probably Sinatra's version. And it's, it, it begins, uh, the song is, It Never Entered My Mind. Once I laughed when I heard you saying that I'd be playing solitaire, uneasy in my easy chair. Mm. It never entered my mind. And once you told me I was mistaken, that I'd awaken with the sun and order orange juice for one. It never entered my mind. You had what I lack myself. Now I even have to scratch my back myself. Now this is a, this is a, it's a, it's a heartbreaking uh, uh, little little song put into a, into one of their musical musical shows. And clearly, Lawrence Hart was a very unhappy, miserable person. Okay. And he, and but no, just the, the the cleverness of what they they call internal rhyme. Okay. Once you told me I was I was mistaken that I'd awaken with the sun and order orange juice for one. In other words, the rhyme scheme goes across the the line barriers. I mean, this is this is a man of, of considerable talent and skill just trying to write a song to appeal to his contemporaries. What I right. see, what I don't hear, especially in top 40 radio, but right. even, you know, <clears throat> our, my, my children play a lot of their favorite, uh, you know, pop music sure. for me over the past 20, 30 years. So I'm not completely out of it. And I've got to say that with very few exceptions, I can't stand almost any of it. Well, you talk about mastering your instrument. Eddie Van Halen, when he does Eruption on the first album of Van Halen, is incredible. Jimi Hendrix did something nobody was doing, sounded marvelous. Eric Clapton, a masterful guitar. You know, there's a, I could name you 17 more. Yeah, these guys me, were not, yeah. these guys were not, you know, pushovers. They let were me, Let me tell you one thing instruments. my father told me when I was, because I was in, I was listening to bebop jazz in the 60s mm -hmm. and, and other, and so I played him something, I, it was a, I think it was Charlie Parker. And he said, Charlie Parker said, I could play things that nobody could have played in an earlier generation. And, he's, and he says, and your point is? He said, you can, you, can, you can randomly generate sounds any kind you want. The question is, does, does it possess the attributes of formal beauty? Not that, like, for example, could Henrik ever play the same solo twice? And the answer is no. Not really, no. No. Because that was part of his not, magic. Though. Yeah, right. It's ma magic or just drugs and incompetence. Now, Eric Clapton can play the same tune twice and three times and ten times. That's right. Because I, th now, my, 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 uh, my older son would give you a big argument Clapton is mechanical, and Hendrix is a genius. Baloney. Baloney. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, they're tapping in. I, mean, I suspect that if Dante were here and listened to Eruption into You Really Got Me, he'd go, what? You're making me crazy. He'd put, put his hands over his ears yeah. and bang his head against the wall. I get that, but... Um, it, yeah, by what, the same, other, what, what other cultures, by the way, has had music where you're supposed to bang your head on the wall? I mean, well, quite literally, head-banging music. Well, you know, it's figurative. <laughs> you got to bang your head because, you know, that's the feel of But I'm well, saying Because you got to beat your brains out, otherwise you couldn't stand this bloody <laughs> no, music. No. no, that's the energy of it, and that's that's uh, and it's also appealing. Like, for instance, a lot of people today would go, Dante, that's just really boring stuff i don't understand it and you gotta you gotta i was at the symposium when you did dante and i learned a lot a lot about what went on but it was a lot it's not like you can lay down a few verses and and you know go whoa that's you know it was it, with music uh, like in the 70s 80s or whatever you know when a drum 
beat kicked in and it was good and heavy, snares popping and the kick is nice and fat, you go, whoa, that's got my attention, guitars come in nice and loud with a great riff, you know, and then you've got some guy really passionately singing what he believes and it's mostly about why can't we party why can't we go out why can't we drink why can't we you know hey she's really a great looking gal we should have the, the tea together yeah. you know that yeah, sort of thing well, maybe you know, smoke tea together <laughs> although a that's, a, that's a phrase that probably has uh, disappeared and so what I was gonna what leads into that to me is sometimes it's just time for drums and guitar and bass to chug away at a volume that gives the, the old school who or uh, ACDC old school, you know, that where it's just pumping, it's huge. By the way, the who were famous for their lyrics, but if you just, if you put the lyrics on a page, no, thank you. Okay, well, no, thank you. but all together, they're, that's... Because they, they were pretentious. That's why they got, right. they got, they got the pseudo-intellectual vote immediately. Right, I see what you're saying. Uh, now, I will, I'm going to put this on the table. I don't want to argue it today, but we'll have a show on this. Okay. Then this is an argument I've been making with people for about 30 years, that when any art form tries to stimulate feeling directly, like it's, you know, you put electrodes into you, that okay. feels good or that feels bad, <laughs> uh, or, in, in, or through various dynamic means, whether, whether it's through sex appeal, your, your, your fear glands, your, to, to stir up excitement or compassion, sure. that any attempt to do that directly is inherently degrading. Mm. And, that, and this is what, for me, is wrong with Baroque churches, for example, in, in, uh, throughout Europe, because the Jesuits wanted to build these churches. They wanted you to walk in and say, oh, my God, I'm overwhelmed with my own smallness, with the glory and majesty, maybe not so much of God, but of the Catholic Church. And I think, and the same thing, the music of some some Beethoven music, the music of Hector Berlioz, the music of Wagner. It it's Wagner. beating it's beating your brains out. It's it's directly trying to engineer your feelings. And my view is, my feelings belong to me, and it, they will respond to somebody who creates, uh, objectively speaking, some work of art that I can appreciate and admire, but if you're just trying to reach in and pluck at my heartstrings, uh, frankly, I walk away. I think great art should evoke emotion. I mean, I can look at the Piazza and, and freak out. Just, whoa, just get really heavy about it because it's so beautiful and it's so wonderful and it's masterfully done. That does something. That plucks my heartstrings. And also I can listen to an ACDC song and feel the energy and know the angst and feel my youth rise I, up a little bit. I Those feel guys a lot were of, doing that. I, mean, I feel angst, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I feel great, a great deal of anxiety. How I can remember when I was young and crazy and I, I spent a lot of time <laughs> in after-hours clubs. You know where they okay. have illegal gambling, oh. illegal, everything, everything going Not on. Not you. And I, I can remember it. one time. I guess I was about. I'd been a year in graduate school. I was about twenty-two, and I was on vacation. And I was in the back of this this illegal club called the Caravan. And all I can remember is thinking, you know, it's four o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. You know, tonight, tomorrow, the sun will be shining, but I won't be shining. <laughs> and uh, you know, maybe there's some, there's maybe there's a better way of leading the rest of my life. Yeah. Now, the the reform did not come all at once. Okay. But um, and none of us have a reform immediate. Usually, it's not an overnight. I, I did but, a lot uh, of the same things. I mean, yeah. But with you, uh, with let's, you. I don't want to talk about. I don't want to talk about music per se. We're talking about lyric okay. per se. So so uh, driving driving guitar lines and snare drums 
forget we're, we're we're talking just for a while we're talking today we're talking just about the 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 the, the simple fact that a, a song lyric is a poem and by the way the 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 uh, if the one subject which i consider i was once a world's expert on hmm. is the the lyric rhythm of the Greek poetry in tragedy and comedy, because you know, forty percent of the work of, say, Aeschylus, forty percent of his plays were sung. In other words, they're like opera. Okay. And so, so the 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 relationship between words and music, okay. which is which is perennially the problem of people who write songs. Like you write songs, and you you yes. write them. You 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 have a you have a guy you write with. Like the way Gilbert and Sullivan wrote, you know, Sol Gilbert would uh, write out the, the the words without talking to Sullivan, right. hand Sullivan the text, and then Sullivan would set it to music, and Gilbert was always happy with it. They didn't get along on other levels, but there are other there are other ways. Sometimes people write both words and music. Sure, Johnny Mercer, for example, almost always just wrote lyric. He hardly ever wrote tunes. But uh, sometimes uh, there were Elizabethan songwriters who, who wrote both, and sometimes people collaborate. You know, they'll yeah. sit in the same room. They'll be they'll be a guy on a piano or guitar. They'll be working it out. But my point, my mm -hmm. basic point, is right. simply that these song lyrics are are poetry. So it's often rather mediocre poetry. Right. Sometimes terrible poetry. Right. But for example, in English, a poem like uh, Shakespeare's. Where the bee sucks their suck I <clears throat> excuse me, my voice is breaking. <laughs> On a cowslip bed I lie or full fathom five thy father oh, lies. Boy. Those are pearls that were his eyes. These have entered into the language of educated uh, English speakers that they're 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 as much they're 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 precious parts of our poetic tradition. Sure. But they're song lyrics. Yeah. They're song lyrics. And there's no reason why song lyrics have to be as god-awful as the lyrics of Robert Zimmerman, a.k.a. Bob Dylan. Oh, yeah, I, was gonna, I wasn't even going to touch on Bob Dylan. <laughs> I knew that uh, between him and Springsteen, I wasn't even going to touch on that. But sometimes, uh, and I'm going to stay with uh, the idea of lyrics as poetry is not necessarily fair because lyrics... Are, uh, uh, can be totally different than poetry. You can send a message, or maybe you heard a piece of music if you're collaborating, and that piece of music moved you to something, and you began to write those words as the, the piece moved you, and then vice versa. Some words evoke a, a type of music. Well, that has to be like yeah. this, right? Yeah. Or It may be subjective, yeah. but I think everybody can understand that when they hear something um, spoken or with a ba musical background, um, that it can be moving. I was thinking of your Greek plays, and I was wondering, what did they do? Some guy get up there with a fake microphone and scream it out, or did they have a huge choir? What I can't imagine what no, that they had uh, for the lyrics. They had either the choral lyric poems. They did have some solos, but okay. in later on, but mostly. It was a chorus first of twelve, and then later fifteen men singing, probably in unison, not professionals. They were all citizen, unpaid amateurs, okay. and often the poet himself was leading the chorus, you know, directing. Right. And they also, in many of these numbers, were also dancing at the same time, wearing rather elaborate costumes and a mask. And it is usually believed that the mask was uh, had a an element of reverberation. 
Okay. Because if you go to something like the, uh, a, an ancient Greek theater, like an Epizavros in uh, southern Greece, okay. or the theater of Dionysus in Athens, these are fairly big. Okay. Fortunately, you know, and you wonder how could twelve, how could twelve or fifteen guys on the dancing floor, which is what or, which an orchestra is, by the way, it's right. a place to dance. How can they reach the in the back rows? And the answer is the acoustics are magnificent. Sure, I was once in Epidaurus, as we say in English, in uh, that. Um, uh, and a little group of like six or seven Scandinavian choir singers from their from their home church. They were in their teens. They came and they stood in the middle. And first, they got the feeling. They get, mm, and you you right. could feel the stone begin to vibrate <laughs> when they got it right. Wow! And then they then they sang this 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 piece of this choral hymn, something in Swedish or Danish, whatever it was. Right. And you and I was I was way up near the top, and you could feel your bones vibrating to the music sure. because they really knew how to write they knew how to how to construct those theaters well in that same way you know when and i'm gonna i'm gonna keep riding that horse there lyrics and music yeah. um music uh, can touch and lyrics can touch i mean i don't agree with a lot of the lyrics uh, the messages in rock and roll but i think they capture uh many times the tide and mood of the times i mean if you the people or the kids mostly that are listening to rock and roll they're angry they're sad they're lost they're needing a voice and, and I think that's important that um, maybe uh, the 60s were totally different than the 20s on the basis of what would turn them on musically. I get that. I don't know if a guy from the 20s would listen to something from the uh, 50s to 60s and go, oh, that's terrible, and vice versa. But culturally, I think that's what we're talking about. We talk about pop music. We talk somewhat about rock and roll. We're talking about um, guy, people talking to people in their own vernacular and trying to describe, be a voice for those people. Yeah, you know, as they used to say, if you want, to, you want to send a message, go to Western Union. Um, I'm not. I'm not. I, the, I think the worst pop music is message based. Okay. You know things like uh, what was that horrible uh, song, Eve of Destruction? Mm. You know, and this is what's wrong with almost all of Bob Dylan's uh, more pretentious songs. You know, like here is this creepy little kid from Hibbing, Minnesota, and he's going to tell me <laughs> the meaning of life. I had a I had a roommate in graduate, a housemate in graduate school. And and he he wanted to quote Hey Jude for its theology, and I said, listen, I don't need some lower middle class kid from Liverpool who doesn't who's who telling me about theology. I'm an honest atheist. I'm not going to listen to Paul McCartney. <laughs> and uh, so the so so if I want if I want a message, I'll read Thomas Aquinas. I don't need a message from some unwashed rock and roller. Uh, so you would consider Paul McCartney not what they would consider a genius? No, he's not a genius. I think he's written some okay songs. I like, oh, okay. like for example, I think some of the songs on Rubber Soul and Revolver okay. are both, especially Rubber Soul, I think there are some carefully written lyrics. And, uh, Maybe both, you can drive my car. No, not that one. <laughs> not that, one. that is stupid. <laughs> I just thought I'd throw it out there. But uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Just articulating yeah. oh, what oh, you're by saying. The, by, the back, by the way, when the Beatles try to get a message or get clever, you know, like, uh, this is, uh, let me tell you how it will be. It's uh, uh, one for you and five Nine, for me yeah, or whatever because I'm yeah, the tax man. man. Right, you know? right. All right. You hear it once, it's okay, but it's not good enough. You see, if you're going to be clever, it's got to be something that the 50th time you hear it, you can still 
uh, you could still feel laugh. it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. and you could and you could still laugh. You know, like one of my favorite modern pop songs is a country song that came out about I don't know a dozen years ago, and it's a <clears throat> it's a George Jones song that they took off the radio because of because of inf copyright infringement, and it it go it begins something like um, I uh, I got out the Jim Beam decanter sh shaped like Elvis. <laughs> and uh, and uh, and uh, and an old, old Flintstones jelly bean jar, uh, and uh, and I pulled up myself and you know a big old piece of floor and he says I I he pours he said I I poured I I poured it out of Elvis up up to Fred Flintstone's pelvis yabba dabba do the king is gone and so are you. <laughs> Now, see, they, I've heard that song 50 times, and it's, it's still funny. It's clever, it's funny, yeah, and I yeah. think uh, some of that needs, I think the music needs to be, uh, you know, give you a, a feeling of some sort, or a, uh, maybe a cliche, or yeah. uh, a rhyme, double yeah. entendre, all that yeah. kind of thing. But, but see, country, country music writers are, mu are much more slick, they're much more careful, and this has been true since way back when, since, uh, since, uh, uh, Rose Records since since uh, since uh, who was the great fiddle player at the at the Grand Ole Opry, uh, the uh, you know Charlie Daniels? No, no, no. I'm talking about the 1920s. Come on. <laughs> oh, sorry, he looks the, like he's uh, from the 1920s. Uh, you probably never been to the Grand Ole Opry. I have not been to the uh, Grand Ole uh, Opry. Oh, uh, I, I every time I was in Nashville, I'd go to, I'd go to the opera. But anyway, my point is that writers like uh, people like Hank Williams or Merle Haggard or Dwight Yoakam, okay. you know, they they are much much more careful in their lyric writing. They 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 hone it down, and uh, they and they have therefore an audience that expect to have something better happen to them than their brains beaten out by a Agreed. percussion line. Agreed. Um, I think that. Um... I, I, the separation of, of lyrics and uh, poetry and the music that goes along with that, probably you're right, needs to be separated. Um, I'm going to say one more thing that uh, on the basis of rock and roll, and maybe we can get more into lyrics in, in this <laughs> next set. Uh, the energy is, uh, of rock and roll is like, uh, it's like rocket fuel. It, 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 it should make you feel young and explode because, in essence, you know, uh, at least in, in the rock and roll format, that's what it's there for. That's what rock and roll is there for. I agree entirely, and that's why I have turned completely against it. <laughs> <laughs>